We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Let's talk a little bit tonight about kingdom ministry. Kingdom ministry. Jesus was known as the son of Joseph. That's who he was known as. As he grew up, he was the carpenter's son. And how many you, how many times have we read where they said, is this not the carpenter's son? That, that's how he was known. But one day he stood in the synagogue and he recited these verses from the prophet Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He then puts the scroll back in its place and he sits down. Then he said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Uh, nothing he could have said that day was more powerful or more controversial than he, you know, they were okay with him quoting the scriptures. But when he put the scroll down and he took a seat and said, today, this is fulfilled in your, in your hearing, that created a stir. But what he quoted was actually the words of his very own ministry. And he, he came to proclaim the good news, the good news that the rule and reign of the Lord God had come to this world in a fierce opposition to the rule and reign of the ruler of this world. You know, a lot when we when we talk about the things in Isaiah, that the bottom line is when you group it together, Jesus said, I'm showed up. I'm here because there's a ruler and a kingdom in this world, and I'm here to overthrow it. I'm here to overturn it. I'm here to destroy it. And I think that's something we miss as the church, that in, in the kingdom ministry, that's what we're to do as well. We're here to overturn and destroy the kingdom that tries to rule this world. Uh, he was the anointed one sent to destroy the ultimate power of this world. Here, here's the thing. We, we consider the devil the ultimate power of this world, but he's not. He's the prince and the power of the air. But the ultimate power in this world is sin and death. That's the ultimate power because we understand that sin brings death and death brings the end as we know it physically. So he came to demonstrate this good news by giving sight to the blind and by releasing the oppressed. The thing I think we miss in what Jesus did in kingdom ministry is that he, he came to demonstrate what the kingdom is. He didn't just come to pronounce its coming. He demonstrated for us. He came to destroy the works of Satan. 1 John 3 and 8 says this, He that committeth sin is of the devil. You know, when you when you read 1 John, he's kind of a... <laughs> Like, you know, this is this side and this is this side. You draw the line and, you know, you're either this side or this side. So when we look at it, it's, he that committed sin is of the devil. Well, who, who has committed sin this week in their life? So we understand there's, there's, there's a deeper ramification, if you will, of what we're talking about. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose. For what purpose? Because the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of Man or the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So if the devil sinned in the beginning, the devil, we think of Adam as bringing sin into the world, when in fact, the devil was here before Adam, 
and the devil's the father of sin. So he brought the sin into the world. Adam brought it into our lives. But Adam wasn't the father of the sinful. He, he, wasn't, the be, he wasn't the sinner from the beginning. Satan was. And so Jesus came that he might destroy the devil. And, you know, I heard a preacher preach one time how that Jesus came to destroy every sinner that's a sinner. And if you're, you need to be a Christian because if you're not, Jesus came to destroy you. And that's not what it's saying at all. He didn't, he, Jesus came that we might all have a life and have it more abundantly. So what are the works of the devil? Say it. Kill, steal, and destroy. That's the work he came to kill, steal, and destroy. And that's to anybody's life, any individual. It doesn't matter if you're in the kingdom of God or not. Jesus came to proclaim, proclaim the kingdom of God. Not only that, he came to demonstrate the kingdom of God. And there's a reason he did that. And the things he did to demonstrate the kingdom, you see in Scripture, they called them signs and wonders. Often when Jesus did something, it was signs and wonders. And so those signs and wonders, sometimes we get this thing of, okay, something streaked across the sky or he did, you know, but the signs and wonders were the very demonstration that Jesus said, all right, this is what the kingdom of God is. I'm going to show you. And so when I'm done here, you can continue those things. Uh, Whenever Jesus healed the sick or delivered the oppressed, he was testifying of the kingdom and he was bringing the kingdom into its fruition into the world. So Matthew chapter 4, verse 23 and 24. Let me just read that. Verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were uh, lunatic, and those which had palsy, and he healed them. That's a description of what the kingdom does. That's the ministry of the kingdom. And that's a description of what the, these miracles, are just they're the, they're the foreshadowing and the promise of the fullness of the kingdom that was to come. Uh, so to take back what he had taken, Jesus came, what had been taken, Jesus came to establish that kingdom. His signs and miracles and wonders really were an invasion of the kingdom of this world. Understanding that for now, centuries, the kingdom and the ruler of the kingdom of this world uh, ruled the world, had, had, had its stay. But Jesus came to invade that. The miracles of Jesus show us what the kingdom of God is like. You know, often you read where Jesus is talking and there's a question and he will go right into the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is like an unto. And then he tells his parable. And what he's doing is he's giving you an, the, in, in a simple form of reasoning that we can all understand, he's showing you what the kingdom is. And I, I know this sounds uh, elementary, but we're going to talk about something here in a second. Uh, destroying the works of the devil, ending the suffering and, and, and showing the provisions of the people, the death, hell, and the grave, they're all ultimately destroyed. They were all the glimpse of the God of heaven. Everything Jesus did was a glimpse of, of the God that we, we really can't fathom because he's so vast. Uh, as God came in human form, it gave us a glimpse of the God of heaven. 
and what the God of heaven is like. And that glimpse is into our world. Much more, there's much, but into our, for, so for three and a half years, Jesus taught his disciples how to minister in mercy and in compassion. So Jesus spends his three and a half years doing what? Three and a half, last three and a half years of his life, he spent teaching, okay? So, so he, was, he was teaching the disciples. We think of the 12, but there was a lot more than 12 that were disciples. But we think of the inner 12, but he's teaching disciples everywhere. So he's teaching them. Not only is he teaching them, He's demonstrating the kingdom. That's what Jesus did. He demonstrated the kingdom for three and a half years because he knew that when he left, the disciples were going to continue the kingdom. And so in order for, it's just like, you know, a coach, before he puts the team out on the field, he, 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 he puts up on a board the plays he wants to run, offense and defense. And he's demonstrating to them what he wants done, and then he expects them to carry it out. And so, so we have to understand something about the kingdom. Jesus demonstrated to us the kingdom, uh, and that's what he wants us to do in the kingdom. He, he, he taught the disciples at that point to be obedient to the leading of God and, and believing that God will perform these same signs and wonders and miracles through them. You remember how they came back when Jesus sent them out and they came back and boy, they were, man, if the devil's there, uh, everything, he said, don't be happy about all that. Be happy your name's written. He said, listen, you, you, you're just getting us a little bit of the kingdom here. Don't, don't be all excited about that. Be excited you're in the kingdom. And then you're going to understand later what really all this is about. And so we see that the book of Acts is a continuation of the life and ministry of Jesus through the church. When you read the book of Acts, it's Acts of the Apostles as you read, but it's the actions, it's the things the apostles did, it's the things not just the apostles. But because we look at the book of Acts and we, boy, the apostles, I wish I was an apostle. The disciples of Jesus Christ did the same thing the apostles did. We just read about the apostles because they were the ones that started the churches. So our ministry as the church is to do what Jesus did. It's, it's to do what Jesus did. Uh, and, and, and what was Jesus doing? Jesus was tearing down the kingdom that was here so that the people that were affected by the kingdom that was here would what? Come back to God. So the whole purpose of the kingdom is to bring people back to God. That's what we're, you know, we're, we're not here to chase devils. We can chase them off. But I'm, if once, once I chase them off, I'm not going to chase them out the door. They're gone, you know. There's a lot of deal about people that want to spend all this time. With, Jesus didn't spend all this time. When he came up and said there was a devil, he said, just come out, and they went out. I mean, he demonstrated to us how it's supposed to happen. You know, there, you remember the movie The Exorcist, did you? I watched that thing, 1973. Scared me to death because I was fine with it till I was driving home. I'd taken my girlfriend home and was driving home, and the on the radio station I was listening to, the commercial for The Exorcist came on. I mean, I flipped the light on and looked in the back seat, and all, you know, because that deal was all, you know. The book of Acts is the continuation of the life of Jesus in his church. Acts chapter 5 12 through 14, and by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. So the apostles were, were those men, those disciples that became the men that would go, and what an apostle would do would go to a city, start a church, install a pastor, go to another city, start a church, install a pastor, go to another city, and then come around, come back around, check on the churches, right? Those, that's what apostles did. 
Right, right. Right, right. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Solomon's porch is that, it's a portico that's on the eastern side of the, the temple's outer court in Jerusalem. You have a, you know, like a little awning outside of, so they were all in one accord here by the temple. And it says the rest, there's no man joined himself to them. They, when they were at the temple, those, you know, uh, uh, but though did, those people, temple, they didn't want to join, but, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes, both men and women, both signs, miracles, and wonders didn't stop with Jesus or his disciples. They continued in the second generation of the church. After the apostles had moved on, people like Stephen. Stephen wasn't an apostle. He was a disciple of Jesus Christ. Ananias wasn't an apostle. Philip, that we were, none of the, these were disciples. But in the second generation of the church, these signs and wonders, they just continued on. They kept happening. They kept going. Uh, demonstrate, you can, you, can, you can see this in Acts, we won't read in Acts chapter 7 through 9. When you look in there, you see the different things that they do and their disciples. And I want to keep saying that for a reason. You've heard of Barnabas, Silas, Timothy, disciples of Jesus Christ. But there were many things that were wrought through their hands. They were simply disciples. They embraced, they embraced the power of the Holy Ghost both in words and works that Jesus did. They embraced it. They knew that Jesus did it through the power of the Spirit. They knew they had the Spirit. They knew if Jesus did it, we're going to do it. And so it, it was a simple form of the kingdom of God that they acted in. It was, it was a simple form of it. The torch of the kingdom was passed continually from generation to generation after that. Around 153 A.D., Justin Martyr wrote about this large number of believers that were going around healing the sick and casting out devils. Around 170 A.D., Arrhenius wrote about believers who operated in the prophetic uh, notions and in healing of the sick. He even mentions in his writings about people being raised from the dead. You can just follow this through the history of the church on and on and on. Those things did not stop when Jesus went away or when the disciples went away or when the apostles went away. It continued on with the disciples. The ministry of Jesus continued beyond the disciples, beyond the apostles, beyond the early church. Remember that Jesus said the reason he would operate in signs and wonders. When, G when we read the scripture where Jesus quoted Isaiah, in that quote, he said, this would happen because the Spirit of the Lord was upon me. That's why it would happen. The Spirit of the Lord was on me. That's, that's critical. That same Spirit is not only here today and empowers the church, but it empowers you and I as disciples. We as the church are the Spirit's dwelling place. Where Jesus said that the reason I'm able to do these things, again, He's showing kingdom ministry, and He's telling them this is what the kingdom is, this is what it's like, and this is what you'll do. And so now that Spirit's in us. We're God's temple. We're God's spirit. So those things should be happening in our lives just like they happened in Jesus' day, just like they happened in the first apostles' day, just like it happened in 300, 700, 1200, 1800. It should happen continually. That's what the church is about. We are to call, we're called to proclaim the good news. 
what do we consider the good news? The gospel? Okay. The good news. Okay. The good news. Okay. Good news. Anybody? All good, good, good stuff. Good news. Because uh, when Jesus was, when he opened and read Isaiah, that's what the good news is. He said it was. That's what the good news is. It's not that his death, burial, and resurrection, and our hope for that salvation, that's good news. But, but what happens is we should focus on that. We should proclaim the gospel, but then we leave out part of the good news. Part of the good news is, yes, Jesus, he, he, he was crucified, he was buried, he resurrected, he left a The good news is he came to proclaim all these things, that the oppressed and the people sick healed, and that's all part of the good news. It seems like we've kind of simplified the good news to the cross. I'm not trying to demean the cross at all. It is the important part of the gospel. Without it, none of the good news works. But... The other part of the good news is connected to it. And when we proclaim the gospel, you know, that's why you find that when those apostles and disciples would walk through the streets and acts and they would proclaim Jesus Christ, they, they didn't proclaim what we kind of proclaim today. They just proclaimed Jesus Christ. They didn't go this long, and then people would come to God or people would be healed or, these, you know, the blind eyes would be open. They were proclaim- the Holy Ghost would fall while Peter yet spake these words. The Holy Ghost fell. He didn't pray for a Holy Ghost outpouring. He didn't pray for a Holy Ghost falling. It just happened because that's all the connection to the good news. Just for the sake of, of the conversation, uh, when you say proclaim, did they walk around saying Jesus, Jesus, or what? What is an example of proclaiming the good news when they walked around? When they proclaim, when the word says they went around proclaiming Jesus, did they just go around saying Jesus' name and people were drawn, or what is that? I'll give you an example because Paul is probably the greatest example we find in the Scripture, even though they all did it. Paul went from town to town, and the first thing Paul would do would look up a synagogue because he knew, okay, there's going to be some people that are connected to God somewhat. So that's where he went first. He would go there and he'd say, okay, what are you guys preaching? Okay, well, let me, can I add to this? Can I take you away from that and add this to you? And so what he would do is he would tell them about, sometimes he would tell what happened to him. I was on the road to Damascus going to do my thing, and there was this voice. I was blind. Sometimes it was he'd walk in there and say, listen, you guys that, you know, uh, under the law, the law has been is now been fulfilled in Jesus Christ, and so it was always it was always a mannerism towards Jesus Christ and what he did. It really, you know, you don't you find Paul teaching about baptism, you find him teaching about the Holy Ghost, you find those things. But what happens is the first thing he finds out is what they know about Jesus Christ, because you know one of the things I noticed when I came into the Pentecostal movement is that they wanted you to have this, this, and that before you ever knew Him. You know. Yeah, they, we have people come in, and we can bring them down, we pray for them to receive the Holy Ghost. And, okay, well, uh, okay, what is this? What, what's going on here? They don't even know who Jesus Christ is. And that, that sounds weird, but listen, there's a lot of people in our society today who don't know Jesus Christ or who he is. That sounds weird to us because we're in the Bible Belt, 
but it, they're, they're, I find them all the time. Like, well, you know, I, my, my parents were kind of into spiritualism or mysticism or, my, you know, we didn't go to church at all, so I'm not sure what you're talking about. I, I hear that a lot. And if I'm hearing it, you know, it's, it's, it's everywhere. So, yeah, the, the, the thing about Paul looked for opportunity. It's probably the best way to put it. And he knew opportunity. It was at God's house first. And then, you know, they, whether they accepted it or not, sometimes they did. Sometimes they threw him out. Sometimes they beat him up. Then he would go to the street. He would go to the street. He would get, he'd get on a corner and start proclaiming, Jesus Christ. Listen, this, a lot of those people had heard of Jesus already. Some of them hadn't, but a lot of them had because the word was out. I mean, the Bible says that his name was, uh, was known abroad. You're talking about the things that he did were not only known, they were known in Syria. I mean, all of those things. So it's, it's not that, it's just many, most of the Jews that he went to in the synagogue would just would, could not accept the fact that God came as a man. They would not worship a man. They would, that's why they killed him, you know, because they, they're not going to worship a man. They're just not going to do it. Uh, and so proclaiming Jesus, and his, that, that begins the good news. That starts the good news. Uh, and listen, practice is just as important as belief. Practicing your belief is just as important as believing it. Because quite frankly, if you don't practice what you believe, you don't believe it. You heard the old saying, actions speak louder than words. Actions speak louder than words. If we don't practice what we believe, then do we really believe it? Because, you know, there's a, there's a place where most people in Christendom come to the knowledge of God. They come to the knowledge of God. They come to a knowledge and an understanding. But you have, to, you have to enter into a relationship. And, you know, it's just like, you know, I came to a knowledge of who Jana was when I first met her. Yeah, a little bit. I knew her name and I got her phone number. That's about all I knew about her. But as I begin a relationship, I begin to find out a lot more about her. You know, I, to be quite frank with you, I, mean, I met other ladies and other, you know, met other, you know what, and I never had a relationship with them. Didn't know anything about them. But, you know, I found someone that, you know, hey, this is a special person. So it's the same thing with, with the Lord. When, when there's a lot of people that find a knowledge. They may get the Lord's phone number. But if they don't, if you don't pursue a relationship, I called her 30 days after I got that number. And the first thing she said to me was, why did you wait so long to call? Yeah, I, I'm thinking, you know, Jesus, why did you wait so long to, yeah. And I've been calling your number. Why haven't you answered the phone? So, so practicing to be a disciple of Jesus, we've got to bear his message to the world and continue his ministry in the world. Bear his message to the world and continue his ministry to the world. There are those today that say that signs and wonders of the early days, they were simply there because the world was so paganistic that they needed the signs and wonders. But is not the world more paganistic today than it? Well, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know all the paganism that was going on back then, but there's a lot more people today. So my guess is paganism is at a higher rate. So, you know, signs and wonders are not, weren't there just because that was a group of people who were pagan once they kind of got the news and all that. One of the most profound purposes of signs and wonders is to show the world we live in what the kingdom of God is actually like. We actually live in the kingdom of God, and this is what the kingdom of God is actually like. 
if my kingdom looks like their kingdom, and my kingdom sounds like their kingdom, and my kingdom does the same thing their kingdom does, and that's why many people today won't go to church. Because they say, well, my kingdom and your kingdom are pretty close to the same. You just go to a place on Sunday and sing a little and hear preaching, but you do everything else I do in my kingdom. So our kingdoms can't be the same. The kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God cannot be the same. And so people need to see that the kingdom we live in is different, that when we go through hard times, we still have a God we believe in, and God takes us through it. And even if he doesn't, we still serve him. There's, there's, a, there's a big part of this kingdom that I think we, you know, uh, that we've really got to begin experiencing. God's kingdom expresses God's mercy and God's compassion. The kingdom of God is just an expression of God's mercy and of his compassion. That's really what it is. The church that embraces both the word and the works of Jesus is going to be the one that falls in love with him. So there's, a lot of, there's a lot of churches that will embrace word, but they won't take it to the work. They'll, the word, yeah, yeah, but they won't. The, the church that embraces the word says, okay, that's what it says, and then does it is the church that really falls in love with Jesus. You, you know, can, I, can I use a, it's a secular deal? You know, I, I embrace the words I heard from Jana. And, and, but, but, but when the work started to happen, when we started dating and that kind of thing, and we, you know what? I, what happened? I fell in love with her. I, I didn't fall in love with her the night I saw her. I didn't, that didn't happen. You know, we've heard it love at first sight. Most of that's lust at first sight that we think is love. But lo- love, love is a continued thing that happens, and it's, it's generated on a daily basis, and it grows and grows. But it's that, that, again, that relational thing and then learning, wor- working in those things. From, from that point on, if I told her I was going to call her the next day, I didn't wait 30 days and call her. It didn't happen. I called her the next day. Why is that? Because was, there was the works involved there that I was showing her. And so it's the same thing in the kingdom. If, you, you know, if we're just, Jesus said, listen, you, got, you can't be just hearers. You've you got to be doers. If you're hearers only, you, you, you don't have anything. If you're hearers only, you don't have anything. They're flip-flop. You're right. They're really hard at working. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of them that believe if they don't work, they're not going to make it. But then they're confused in the word. And so you're exactly right. Uh, God really loves to release signs and wonders in the church. You, know, you understand that, right? But, but often we come here for signs and wonders. Thing, but you know what he really loves to do it? Outside the church. He really loves to do it outside the church. You see that all through the scripture. You see that all through the book of Acts. Where, you know, it's not that what we do is wrong here. We just do it differently. What we do here is different. I call it the westernized church. We, we do it differently. But what we can't do differently is, is reaching the world. We can't do that differently. We've got, to, we've got to go and proclaim, and that's part of our, you know, that's kingdom ministry. I think most Christians want to be in kingdom ministry, but maybe they don't know how, or maybe they're not allowed. Maybe they've never been taught that, all those things. And so that's what, you know, uh, in the next few weeks, Sunday, I'm gonna, I've got my Jason and Malika, so I, I got a dry erase board. And what I'm going to do Sunday morning for a Sunday school is we're going to bring the dry erase board. And we're going to begin to talk about words in Scripture and things in Scripture, we're going to write them on that board so we see them because here's one of the things. Uh, you know, you've heard the old deal. You're standing on the sidewalk and you're talking to someone and you're, 
you know, it's what you heard. You turn around, there's a car crash. So there's another guy standing over here, and not only does he hear that, he sees it. So when, they, when you go to court, you can't be a witness if all you did was hear it. You heard it. You didn't see what happened. So you don't know who was at fault. You didn't see it. Oh, but you saw it. Okay, there's your witness there. You can go home. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at these words and what they, we're going to look at the English translation first. We're going to see what the English says, because quite often what we find, why people uh, are hesitant to do kingdom ministry is because of understanding. The fear of being asked something they don't know, and the best answer is what? I don't know. I'll find out. But the the fear of not understanding. So what we're going to do is we're just going to look at some basic words that we all use in Christianity and what they the English translation is, and then if it's Greek or Hebrew, whatever it is, we're going to look at that, and then we're going to apply it into the Scripture that it's in. And what you find out is it makes, it, it makes your life easier as a Christian. It makes it so easy to say, you know, have you ever quoted a Scripture and say, well, I'm not sure what that really means, but I'm going to quote it because I have in the past. I quoted it because we got really, but when I begin to dive into it, break down the words, then you understand there's a, there's a ministry in this verse right here, a total ministry in this verse. But, you know, our English words are so uh, diluted compared to those. So we're going to do that. But, we, you know, what we want to do, and I feel it's God's leading us this way, he's been leading us this way, is, w- is what God's wanting us to do is get totally involved in kingdom ministry. Yeah, totally involved in kingdom ministry. That doesn't mean you quit your job. That doesn't mean you stop playing tennis. That doesn't mean you, you quit going to the golf course. It doesn't mean that I quit fishing. It doesn't mean any of that. You know, it doesn't mean you, any of that stuff. It means that, you know what, there's a kingdom ministry out there. We're just going to get involved in it. I, I agree. They don't know how. There's a fear because they don't know how. But you know what? Place us on pastors. There, there is a fear also because in the past, there was a restriction that a lot of pastors, not all, but a lot of pastors put on. Uh, you know, Bishop and I saw that a lot from where we came from. They, they had to have total control, and they didn't want you, you know. I'm surprised some of them let people have home Bible studies. I'm surprised they did that because I knew some of the pastors, like, man, they, ooh, they're giving them a lot of line there. Uh, but it's not about that. You know, I don't have any line to give, just so you all know as a pastor. I don't have any line to give. I just have to answer to God for what happens. And so if that's the case, and I have to answer to God for what happens, I want to make sure you're equipped. <laughs> you know, if I don't equip you, shame on me, because that, that's what a shepherd should do. should equip, equip the sheep so that they can come in and eat, they can come in and drink, they can rest, they can be non-fearful of the wolves so they can be sheep and have more sheep. The whole purpose that a guy has a group of sheep is so he can have more sheep and more sheep. That's the whole purpose behind it. If not, what's the purpose? Well, I can get, I, I can get wool. Well, yeah, you can only do that until all the sheep die. When all the sheep die, you have no more wool. You got to keep that thing moving. Any doubts, fears, unbeliefs, any? Yeah. 
we're, we're too close to the end. I mean, here's the thing. Let's say the end's 10,000 years from now. I'm too close to the end. However I leave here is going to be my rapture or my however I leave here, whatever. So you're right, going forward. You know, one of the things, my brother-in-law, John, has been coming. Uh, he came into church a few years after we did, Spring Tabernacle. And, uh, and he won't mind me telling you this. He, he came into church, but it's kind of, you know, my mom, we got to go. That needs and so he was in church a while. As a matter of fact, he went to church in different places. And he, over time, just kind of backed his way backwards. Things happened like all our lives. He backed his way backwards. And so now he's like, but like just fully engaged in God. I, I got him a strong, exhaustive concordance. And every night he, he goes to bed, you know, he goes to bed at an odd time, like 7.30 or 8 o'clock. It's because he goes in there, he turns his light on, and he reads his Bible. He just takes it. He takes that concordance. He comes to a word he doesn't understand. He helps. He'll come in there and say, you know what? I never knew this is what that meant. This makes perfect sense. And you see God developing in him a strength and a confidence. And a, uh, and he's, he's just, just not going into personal stories. But in, in, in his family situation, everybody's like, who is this? Yeah. And so, you know, it's, just, it's simply because when you engage with God, he'll engage with you. And that's what John's doing. I'm so proud of him because it's not anything, you know, I gave him a book. That's, that was it for me. I gave him a book. I'm not going to tell him where to look, what to look for. And, man, he's just, and now i got people calling me. I've got, well, I took the pictures off. I had to take the pictures off of my phone. I had these concordances. I was just, buy this one, buy this one, send it on the picture, buy this one. Because those concordances help you, and there's, you know, there's strongs, there's vines, there's, there's different, but then there's, you get into the whole thing of uh, commentaries that Bishop gave me a group of commentaries by a guy named Weiss that's like, it's unbelievable. I mean, you just, you read it and you're like, how did I not see this? Now, it's commentary, right? So what you do is you take what he says and you go to the Bible and, you know, word is word and if it's, and it's just, and it's, it, un, you know, it unveils something in your mind, and you become so equipped. You feel like, man, I, I think I do have this breastplate and this helmet. I think I do have this. You feel like I'm ready. A great companion to Strong's is Bullinger, expository work on New Testament words, because a Greek word is translated many different ways in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And if you can follow it and see how it's translated in different passages, it gives you a much broader depth mm-hmm. of understanding. Translates within the given context of, right. yeah. Right. Which is another whole, you know, one thing about the Strong's and, you know, Vines and all those is they help you to define a word, but you still have to define the context. And so you're exactly right. That's why I like the Weast because it, he, he defines the context, and when you do that, then another thing explodes for you. It's like you're <laughs> Bullinger? W-U-E-S-T. Oh, Weist? Yeah, that's with the Weist commentaries? It's, it's things, dictionary of... Yeah, I don't remember what the front says because I just, <laughs> I never look at the front. Man, I'm <laughs> w, is it W-E-U or W-U-E? Yeah, W-Weast. But the, I, I've not, I know some people that have the Bullinger 
that they say the same thing, that when they're doing their sermons and stuff, some pastors I know, they say, listen, this thing here just takes you to the next level. It's next level, yeah, Bullinger's. Next, it just goes to the next. And you know what? You can go to level, to level, to level. You know, there's some old, old, old-time preachers that have stuff that, I mean. It's W-U-E-S-T, and it's his expanded translation yeah. of New Testament words. He he's apparently is a very thorough studier because when you when you read his commentaries, it's it's not a you know how you can read a commentary and you know it's the generalization of a particular movement? You don't find that with Weast. He doesn't uh it's not a commentary because I'm a Baptist or a Methodist or Catholic. It's just a commentary. Word studies in the Greek New Testament. Uh he was born in 1893. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to, you know, as we go, we're going to talk about, as we do the Sunday morning uh, Sunday school, we're going to talk about, thank you, Brian. We're going to talk about, oh, yeah, Brian, go ahead. Uh, one of the things you need to look at is the blueletterbible.org. Yeah. That's everything you just said. You search for a word, and it shows all the words and it tells you which ones. Well, it'll give you the strongest concordance number. Right. Because the same word could be used to find multiple Greek words or Hebrew words. Right. And then once you click on that, it'll show you the definition of the word and all the references that you just mentioned. Put some in line. All in one. Yeah. One place. Austin, Austin mentioned that Sunday. Th- so this Sunday, we're going to try to pull it up on a screen if we can, that blue letter Bible, so you can see it. It's a it, it's a it, it takes you a little bit of time, not a whole lot, a little bit of time to learn how to make your way through it. But once you do, yeah, it's it's real and it's right there on your phone. I mean, it's right, it, it, yeah. So, yeah, that we're going to try to bring that up. Hopefully, that'll. Uh, there's just a lot out there that I think we as Christians just need to take advantage of. We need to take advantage of. Yeah, and you can save. You don't have no paper. You can save. Yeah, and you, you just come back to the reference. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I've got the little deal. What's it called? The uh, Fenty or whatever. But I get the books on that. So, I, I and the only reason I do that is because Bishop. I mean, <laughs> I like the book and I like to read it. But I've got it on the Fenty deal. So. Uh, yeah, I can't do kind of like the. There's something about a paperback or a hardback. There is something about that you can write in. So you know, kind of depends on who you are, and how how you learn and. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's always powered up, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Enjoyed it tonight, y'all. Thank y'all. Look forward to seeing y'all this weekend. It's Father's Day. Father's Day. We're going to give every father a rose. No. That's for the ladies only. (laughs) For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. 
We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather. And you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.